Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? No frostbite? We're good? Well, good morning. Glad to see you. My name is Adam Young. I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, excited that you're here. Uh, excited that you braved the cold and the snow uh, and the weather that we've had. Some of you may love this. Some of you may hate it. Uh, but it is what it is. Uh, some of you weren't sure if it was possible to drive here while others actually walked to church this morning. So we have people who walk to church, more than one family. So I'm just saying there's some people who are more spiritual here than others. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I'm so glad you're here regardless of how you got here. Uh, we're so thankful that you are here this morning. Now we are uh, in week seven of our series called I Am. Uh, looking at the seven I am statements that Jesus makes as recorded by John in his gospel. Now, early in Jesus's ministry, um, he is with his disciples. They're on a boat. We have read this story and talked about this a number of times during the series. And um, while they're on this boat, Jesus is taking a nap and a great storm rises up. Um, so severe that even many of these men who were professional fishermen before choosing to follow Jesus uh, were afraid for their lives. And this is what it says in Mark chapter 4. When Jesus woke up, so they come and they actually wake Jesus up. He rebuked the wind and the waves and said to the waves, silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. And then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and waves obey him. And um, that's a question that they asked as they started to encounter Jesus very early in his ministry. This is very early on when they begin following Jesus. And it's really a question that many people for 2,000 years have asked. Who is this man? And we've been looking at the seven times in the Gospel of John where Jesus says, I am fill in the blank and getting a better picture of who Jesus is uh, and what it is that he is all about. Now, I'm just curious if we were to take a quiz and um, and quiz you right now on the seven I am statements. I'm wondering how well we would do. I'm in the spirit of quizzes um, right now because I just finished up my semester um, and so as much as I was punished this year, um, I'm ready to return the punishment. Um, no, actually, so I, I, if you don't know, I teach part-time at Colorado Christian University, but I took off this semester because uh, I am going back to school again. And, um, and so I've been on the brunt end of um, all of the assignments and the papers and, and uh, all of those challenging things, and I haven't been on the good end of it. Uh, and so we're not really going to take a quiz. Okay, so um, I'm not going to ask you um, to, to, to do it. But uh, the reason I say that is um, I could probably tell them all to you. Unfortunately, I apparently couldn't do a very good job of telling you them in order. And here's what I mean. Last week, uh, I told you it was week six. Um, we preached out of John 15. Jesus says, I am the true vine. You are the branches. Right. And somebody somebody asked me after church and they said, so we're in week six. And that means next week is week seven. And I'm like, that's right. All we have left is and it hit me because I knew what the seven were. I knew that it was the resurrection and life. And it hit me. That's in chapter 11. I just preached on chapter 15 today. So apparently 
we're not going to go in order. Um, because two weeks ago, I have no idea what happened. If you open up your worship guide, there's a schedule. And we followed it for the first five weeks. And then um, I'm, I don't use that schedule to, to plan my sermons. I make that schedule for you, and then I assume it's in my head. Somehow I skipped... I am the resurrection and life, and we went straight to John 14, which I am the way, the truth, and the life. So if you've been paying attention to the schedule, you know that I skipped one. Totally didn't mean to do that. That was not on purpose at all. I literally hit me last week when somebody was like, oh, what's the last one? And I was like, it's resurrection and life. And I just did them out of order. Like, it hit me after I preached last Sunday. So um, we are going to be in John chapter 11. So maybe you could come up with in your mind the uh, the seven statements. Maybe you couldn't. Uh, regardless, we're we're not going to worry about order. We're just going to get them all in some way. This was all planned along, except for it would be better if like like next week were Easter and not Christmas, because then I would claim like, oh, I did that on purpose. Um, so here's what we are going to do. We're going to be in John chapter 11 today, and. I'm going to encourage all of you to grab a Bible or open it because these scriptures are not going to be on the screen today because we're going to jump around a little bit. Chapter uh, 11 is one long story and it's a very long one. We're not going to read it all and so I'm going to be able to jump around a little bit. So if you have your Bible or you want to use one of ours, great. If you want to open up your phone or your tablet and pull open the Bible app, that's great as well. Um, And then you can kind of follow along with us as we jump around a little bit. Now, this story is going to be familiar. If you grew up in church, you know this story uh, because it's a very popular one. If you didn't grow up in church, but maybe you've been around Element Church for a little while, we actually preached on John chapter 11. I taught on it uh, a number of weeks ago. We did the seven miracles of Jesus in the Gospel of John. And uh, John chapter 11 is actually the last miracle recorded uh, in the Gospel of John. And spoiler alert, in case you don't know this story, we'll just go ahead and get the, get the big surprise ending out of the way. A guy named Lazarus dies. Jesus raises him up from the dead. So that's the story. So let's pray and we'll go home now. That ain't happening. Um, so that that's the story in John chapter 11. So we, we actually preached on that, and we're just going to look at a little different um, part of it. I actually didn't teach the whole story last time for two reasons. One, because it's all of chapter 11, and it takes me long enough to preach like four verses on a Sunday, uh, much less an entire chapter. And I knew we were going to be coming back to chapter 11 anyways. And so uh, there's a few details that maybe you already know, or maybe we'll catch up with. Let's just look at chapter 11, verse one. We'll get a few of the details and kind of set the story up. Now, a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany. So Bethany is kind of like a suburb of Jerusalem, just so you know, uh, the village of Mary and her sister, Martha. Uh, it was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair. That's actually a story that doesn't show up till chapter 12. But John is trying to give us some context. He assumes his readers already know who this Mary is. If you haven't noticed, there's a lot of Marys in the Bible. Um, if you also haven't noticed, um, first century Israelites were not very creative with names. All right? Um, and, and this is just this. All right? Um, there are just some names that they use over and over and over. And it's just their culture. And Mary and Martha uh, and Miriam are, are they, those 
more common than Marie is in Spain, right? Like they're just very, very common. And so John's trying to help us out to know which Mary. He even he recognizes there's a lot of Marys. Um, and so he's just trying to give us some context. Uh, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So we have Lazarus and his two sisters, Mary and Martha. Um, so the sisters sent to him, to Jesus, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So that's a little a bit of the setting. So now we know where, we know who, we know what's going on. Um, we know that it's in Bethany, a suburb of Jerusalem. Uh, we know that it's Lazarus. And then he has two sisters, Mary and Martha, and Lazarus is very ill. What we also know is that John has already told us. John was one of the disciples. He was there following Jesus. And he tells us that Jesus loved this family. That he loved Mary and Martha. That Mary is the one who anointed Jesus' feet with, with oil and wiped his feet with her hair. Uh, which is a story that he'll actually tell us in chapter 12. And even when the word comes to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. So there's obviously this close connection and close relationship um, between Jesus and this family. And Lazarus is ill. Now, we already know some of the major details of the story, right? We know what's about to happen to Lazarus. And I don't mean many days from now when Jesus tells him to get up out of the tomb. I mean, in a few days, we know Lazarus is about to die. So sometimes I think it's helpful when you really want to understand the weight of of a passage of Scripture is to imagine, if you can, maybe what it was like or the circumstances surrounding the story. Now, we've all been sick, okay? A few weeks ago, I was sick. I, you could hardly hear me talk. I was all raspy. Some of you have been sick. Um, some of you feel like you're about to get sick and you're trying to ward it off, um, you know, before Christmas comes. We've all been sick. This is not regular sickness. This is a sickness that in two days' time, Lazarus will be dead. So, so don't think common cold. Don't think sinus infection or you know stomach bug. This is a real sickness. A, this is a deadly one. So I don't know if you've been around someone like that. I mean, most of us in here are probably old enough to have been around death, had people we love and cherish, cherish die. Uh, maybe you were even there, kind of had a front row seat um, to watch the struggle. Uh, but even a struggle that ends up leading to death in the 21st century is much different than the first century. Um, we have medication to take away pain, um, to ease suffering. Uh, we have ICU units to, to prolong life and, and open up the door of possibility. None of that is available. So imagine the sickness that will lead to death in a matter of two days, what it might be like for Mary and Martha. Right? They're not at home cooking chicken noodle soup, right? They're at home begging the Lord to do something because they can tell their their brother Lazarus is struggling for breath. 
Like he doesn't have much more time. There's no more life in his body. Lord, could you please do something? So sometimes when we read passages like this, we maybe in our mind are thinking, yeah, you know, Lazarus is common cold. Even though we know he ends up dying, we, we, we just har- don't hardly feel the weight of the moment. But this is one of those moments that, uh, that rocks your world. If you're bedside for someone's last few days of struggle, it's not pretty. Uh, I've been bedside for more than one passing. It's never pretty. It's, it's always a struggle. It's always painful. And that's what Mary and Martha are dealing with. Fighting to do whatever it is that they could possibly do to ease their brother's suffering and to possibly give him a chance at life. And so I just want you to feel the weight of the moment in this circumstance. Now, we've, the next few paragraphs, we preached quite a bit. That's really where we focused on the last time we were in John chapter 11. So I'm, I'm not going to go there. If you want to kind of get that main connection of verses 5 through uh, 16, then I'd encourage you, you can jump online. All of our sermon audio is online. You can check that out. But we're going to skip a little bit. Uh, and so we're jumping down to verse 17. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. So now we know what happened. Lazarus has died. Jesus has now traveled to Bethany. And when he gets there, he finds out that Lazarus has not only died, but he's in the grave and he's been there for several days, been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, so we've already covered that. He was kind of a suburb. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Now, some of you grew up in church, some of you have not. Uh, But when you grow up in a very religious context, when someone dies, uh, people rally around you. If you grow up in the context like I did in a Southern Baptist church in Oklahoma, people gather around you and cook you sweets. Right? Like, that's what they do. That's what we do in Oklahoma. That's what Baptists do, man. We, we just bring you food. That's, that's how, right? Kenny and I were talking about this actually earlier today. Like, when some, a tragedy happens, bring them food. That's all we know how to do, right? So, so Bethany is close to Jerusalem, which means it's access to a huge portion of the religious crew. And so they're all coming out to care for Mary and Martha, uh, trying to be there for them because They've just spent the last several, maybe weeks, being there for their brother. And so a lot of people have come to, to be with them. And so here it says, so when Martha was coming, she went and met him. So I, don't, I don't really know what's going on here. All right, we'll try this again. Mary, uh, excuse me. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, 
who is coming into the world. And so the story continues as there's some more interaction with the crowd. Let's just jump down to verse 38 uh, so that we can just kind of put a, an ending on this story. And then I, I want to focus on just one thing for us today. Verse 38, then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take the stone, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Now, I don't know if you read the King James Version. I'm going to guess most of you don't. Um, this is one of the few times that it it's kind of pays to read the King James Version, right? Marcellus, you have it open, don't you? And so it, right there, right there in verse uh, verse 38 or 39, when Jesus says, hey, take away the stone, Martha replies in the King James Version, but Lord, it will stinketh, which I just think is funny. Obviously, they're concerned. Uh, they know what happens. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God so they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said father I thank you that you have heard me I knew that you always hear me but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me when he had said these things he cried out with a loud voice Lazarus come out the man who had died came out his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth and Jesus said to them unbind him and let him go. Now, here's what I want to do for today. Um, what I want to really focus on is this initial interaction with Mar- Martha and Jesus. And so we're going to jump back. If you've got your Bibles open, we'll jump back. Um, let's maybe start in verse 20 of chapter 11. And I'm just going to read a little bit of, about this. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. This is kind of one of those strange details that doesn't seem super important, other than as you get to know Mary and Martha through other stories in the text, Martha's the rule follower, and Mary is sort of kind of the free spirit. Um, When you have, I don't know if you have a sister or, um, right, like, um, generally when you have several girls together, one may be a rule follower, one may be a free spirit, okay? Martha's the rule follower, Mary's the free spirit. Um, But we kind of get a a switching of roles here, and it's just kind of an interesting detail maybe that John throws in there. But verse 21, this is what I want to focus on. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Here's what Martha says to him, essentially. Jesus, you could have. Jesus, you could have. Now, we know how Martha finishes that sentence, right? In her mind. Jesus, you could have stopped this. Jesus, you could have prevented Lazarus from dying. Jesus, if you had showed up on time when we called for you, you could have saved us heartache. We know how that sentence gets finished with Martha, but I think maybe the question this morning is, how would you finish that sentence? Jesus, you could have. You could have stopped this. 
You could have prevented this. You could have saved this. You could have fixed this. Martha says, Jesus, you could have. And I think in many ways here, Martha represents us and how many times we've said that. Now, some of us are the free spirit and we will say it openly, right? In your prayer, you'll openly go, Jesus, you could have done this. Some of you are a little more restrained and maybe, you know, you're, you, you, you weren't allowed to ask questions like that growing up. So you're like afraid to ask God a question like that, like he might get mad at you. And so you would never say it out loud, but you know, you think it. In your mind, you're thinking, Jesus, you could have. I won't say it because that's rude, but I'm thinking it. So some of you are the free spirit. You're like, I'll say it to God. And some of you are like, ah, I'll just think it. Pretend like he can't see my thoughts or something. But we've all asked that question. Jesus, you could have. Look at her next statement. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So then verse 22. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. So so Martha goes from asking Jesus, saying, Jesus, you could have, to Jesus, you can. But if we look at Martha's overall reaction, I think this is less about a statement of faith and more like a religious platitude. Like, I know I'm supposed to say this. I know I'm supposed to say that you can. And I, I wonder if you've ever been in that place. I'm not just saying, Jesus, you could have if you had been here on time. Jesus, you could have if you had cared enough or, or paid attention. And maybe even in your own life you've said, Jesus, I know you can. In theory. Jesus, I know in my own life now you could do this. You can do this. I don't know that you will. I don't know that you're listening. I don't know that you care. I know you I know you can. And and from Martha's overall response to Jesus, I think that's more of the way she's asking the question here. Jesus, I, I know you can. Of course all things are possible for you, but I think this is less a statement of faith and more of a sort of like I said, religious platitude, just Yeah, I know I'm supposed to say this. But Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Then verse 24, Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. So Martha says, Jesus, you could have. And she says, Jesus, you can. And then she says, Jesus, you will. Yeah, I get it, Jesus. Yeah, 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 yeah. One day, Lazarus will rise from from the dead. The Jews, um, one of the major tenets of their belief was in a corporate resurrection. That's still something that we teach and believe. And the Bible confirms that one day, when Jesus comes to finish what he started, there will be a final judgment. That all people will be raised. Some, if 
for those who, as, the, as Revelation says when it talks about this, when your names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, for those who have placed their faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone, that we'll be given new resurrection bodies and we'll spend eternity with Christ. And for those who have not, that they will be then sent to judgment. So this is a little bit of a sidetrack and a rabbit trail and not one that I plan on talking about. But well, what the Bible teaches is that when you and I die, all right, that there's an immaterial part of us, our souls, that go to be immediately in the presence of Christ in heaven. Paul says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But that is not our final state. So when you think of heaven, what you need to realize is that's almost like an, a temporary state. Our souls being in, with Christ in heaven is temporary. That's not where we'll be for eternity. Because the Bible teaches that Jesus is coming back here someday to finish what he started. And at that point, there'll be a resurrection. Don't ask me a lot of details that I can't give because I can't, but that we'll have resurrection bodies and that a new heaven and earth will be created and we'll be with Christ there for all all of eternity. So when you think of my soul going to heaven, that's a temporary state. That's we'll be our souls will be with him there until he comes to finish everything else. And so the Jews believed in this corporate resurrection that one day God's going to do something powerful and the faithful, his people, will rise again all together at once. They had no concept for individual resurrection. It was all just corporate. And that's what Martha's saying. Yeah, I get it. One day, Lazarus will be resurrected along with everyone else. Yeah, I get it. One day. I know the religious teaching. I know what I'm supposed to say. It's kind of like this when... When somebody's very, very sick and we pray and we pray and we pray and we pray and we pray. And then they pass away. And many times we say, well, they got their ultimate healing. And that is completely true. But in some ways, it's a little bit of a a cop out. Because we weren't really praying for the ultimate healing. We were praying for healing now. Right now, very specifically. And that's what kind of Martha's saying. Yeah, I get it. He got his ultimate healing. I get it. He'll rise one day. So will all the rest of us. Martha says, Jesus, you could have. Jesus, you can. And Jesus, you will. But these are not statements of faith. This is a part of Martha's struggle. And here is how Jesus responds. I am the resurrection and the life. This series was not called I can. The series is called I am. Because it's not just focused on what Jesus could have done or can do or will do someday. It's about who he is. This is what Martha's wrestling with. 
is she's wrestling with what Jesus can do, what his capabilities are. You could have done this, Jesus, if you had showed up earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that all things are possible with you. I know you can do it. And yeah, 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 yeah. I know one day you will do it. Jesus says, no, 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 no. I am. It's not about what I could have done. It's not about what I can do. It's not about what I will do someday. It's about who I am. It's about who I am and why I'm here. I am the resurrection. Do we have faith in a, in a future that God is going to restore all things, that Jesus is going to finish what He started? You better believe it. One day Jesus will. He will come again. He will finish what he started. Can Jesus do things now? You better believe it. With my God, all things are possible. But the focus is not on what Jesus can do or will do or could have done, but on who he is. That's where our eyes need to be fixed. Here's Martha's final response as he begins to talk to her. Well, we'll just read Jesus' response first. 25. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. I believe that you are the Christ. Christ is not Jesus' last name. It's a title. It means anointed one. The Jews for thousands of years have been awaiting this anointed one to carry out God's plan. I believe that you are the Christ. You're the anointed one. You're the one we have been waiting for. You're the answer to all our prayers. You're the solution to all of our problems. You are the Christ, the Son of God. And then notice this last statement she makes that, that I think is interesting. Who is coming into the world? Now, I'm not perfect at grammar. We could ask our resident senior grammar instructor but i'm guessing if you're going to talk to somebody who's already in the world standing face to face you're not going to say i think you're the one coming into the world because he's already here but what martha i think is speaking to she's starting to get it she's starting to see that this is not just about what Jesus can do, but who he is. At Christmas, most of the time, we focus on the baby Jesus. Rightly so. But Jesus came for a purpose. He came with a mission. He was sent on mission. And we don't celebrate just that he was born, but he, we celebrate that he was born 
to accomplish something and to reveal something. As we read this story in John chapter 11, yeah, we read about amazing details and stories and Jesus is going to command Lazarus to come out of the grave and it's amazing. But you know what we don't do when we read chapter 11? We don't celebrate the resurrection of Lazarus. Jay is not coming back up here to lead us in songs singing about the goodness of Lazarus. You know why? Because he dies. I don't know when, I don't know how the Bible moves on. We don't hear anything else about Lazarus. But at some point, he's going back in the tomb. At some point, he'll get wrapped up again. And this time, he's not getting unbound. He's going to lay in the tomb and no one will come to roll away the stone and to shout out, get up and walk, come out of there. We don't sing about Lazarus. We sing about Christ. We sing about Jesus who is coming into the world, who has come to fulfill purpose. But Martha recognized that it was still in process. That all Jesus came to be and accomplish had not been finished. You are the Christ who is coming into the world. We celebrate at Christmas Christ's coming. Coming for a purpose. And it wasn't to put on a magic show and impress people with healing the blind and making the lame walk or making a guy who's been in the tomb four days raise up came for something much different, much more powerful. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Because this birth wasn't any normal birth. It was one that was one that came with a mission. And we're here today to celebrate and to worship and to remember that man and his mission. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we want to celebrate you this morning. We want to celebrate your goodness. We want to celebrate your power, what you've come to do and accomplish. And more than that, we want to celebrate just who you are. Would you speak to each of us now? I want you to keep your eyes closed, if you will, for a moment. Just as we enter into our our usual time of response and reflection. And what I recognize is that all of us have wrestled uh, in our faith at different times, just like Martha. Martha. Struggling between how we really feel deep down inside and then how we feel as though we're supposed to act. I know what I'm thinking. I know what I'm feeling. But I also know what it is that I'm supposed to say. And maybe you feel that now. I know for a lot of people, the holidays... There's such a great time of celebration and fun and, and tradition, but there is also heartbreak that comes along with holidays. 
Maybe it's unmet expectations. Maybe it's that somebody else isn't around the Christmas tree or the dinner table this year. That maybe as we wrap up 2016, it's not quite the 2016 you had originally planned on it being. While there are so many great things about the holidays, there are also challenges. And maybe in your own personal faith this morning, you're just at that place where you're wrestling. Like, Jesus, you could have. Or Jesus, I know you can, but I doubt you will. Or, yeah, yeah, Jesus, I know, I know. One day you will. One day it'll all be better. But today it's not. And this is a moment for us to recognize and to celebrate that it is not just about what Jesus does, but about who he is. That's why we sing. That's why we celebrate. That's why Christmas means so much because it was not just another birth. It was the birth that changed the world. In which Christ, the great I am, comes into this world. And today we want to celebrate just His goodness, who He is. Lord, thank you for all that you are, all that you've done. Would you continue to move and to speak to each one of us in our lives? Help us to celebrate who you are. We love you. We praise in your name.